this morning, I will be sharing with us uh, just in line with the things that the Lord has been telling us. Having followed the leading of the Holy Spirit in the last few weeks concerning what it's been teaching us, it's been telling us. I'm convinced that we are now at the stage where God will help us to begin to look at how we become effective witnesses in specific settings. At the family level, how can we bear effective witness for Christ at the family level? For instance, within our neighborhood, in our workplaces, in the different social groups that we belong to, in our professional pursuit, for those who are in government, in politics, how can people, Christians, be an effective witness for Christ? Even in the workplace, uh, even in politics, rather, in the place of leadership. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Amen. Because this is exactly what God wants us to begin to explore. And as we speak this morning, you will understand where the Holy Spirit is coming from in what he will be sharing with us this morning. You remember when we were looking at that 2 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 14, Brother Paul was saying, thanks be to God, who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge everywhere, everywhere, which means wherever we are found, we should be a witness. Everywhere means everywhere. Our witness should not be limited to certain settings. It should be everywhere, including where we are not even allowed to speak verbally. Our witness should not be hindered. We can still be effective witnesses for God. Hallelujah. Amen. And this is the reality of what I believe the Lord is leading us into. And for this morning, I'll be rushing through a few things because of the time that we have. But I just want us to know that this is what God is going to begin to do for us. So this morning, I'm going to focus on effective witnessing in the workplace. Or being an effective witness in the workplace. Hallelujah. We all have places where we work. Whether as managers, or 
as other staff within the organizations where we work. We all have a workplace. At least most of us do. And there in our workplaces, God wants us to be witnesses. The scripture tells us when we read that Mark chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 5 from verses 14 to 17, when he was talking about we being the, the, the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a bushel. But when you light a lamp, you put it on the lampstick so that it can give light to everyone in the house. Amen. Amen. And we have been told that salt is only beneficial when it is dissolved in the milieu, in the medium. Salt on its own doesn't, doesn't do anything much for you. In fact, if you take salt on its own, it will bite your tongue. But put it in the right environment where it is dissolved then you will enjoy the savour of the meal. Hallelujah. And so we're looking at the workplace. How can we bear effective witness for Christ in the workplace? The first thing we need to know, and I'm going to be speaking specifically regarding the environment where we are in, this environment where we are, it may not be exactly the same in other places, but within the environment where we are, we need to know how do we bear effective witness for Christ. The first thing we need to understand is that, is to understand the challenges of the workplace. And in this instance, I'm talking about the public workplaces. Because these are things we need to understand. Failure to understand this has brought many people into difficulties. Hallelujah. Amen. So the public workplaces it may be different when it is a private setting. Let's say somebody is employed to work in a church, in a church environment, for instance. It's a different thing. But if you are employed to work in a public place, the first thing you need to understand is that the public workplaces they are not religious settings. We can't. We must. We must get it right. They are not religious settings. So you won't have the floor to preach the gospel, you know, the way you, you like, because it is, they are not religious places. Am I right in that? Yeah. You have to understand that, accept that. Because there are different people with different faith, different beliefs, different orientations there. So the second point following closely after that is that everyone has the right to express themselves in the workplace the way they are. You have the right to express your faith in a way, it may be in, your, in the way you appear or things like that. That is a right for everyone. 
in a way that does not infringe on the right of others. So you have to know your limits and where that stops. Because you are in a public workplace. Amen. At least according to the law, no one should feel discriminated in the workplace. Amen. Everyone should have the liberty to do their work in the workplace without feeling discriminated on account of their faith or other choices. Please, let's get this right. As long as it's a public workplace, there are the things as Christians we need to know. They are foundational. Hallelujah. That then comes with some challenges. How then do we become witnesses for Christ in such environments? Because again, as a Christian, you have your own rights as well. So how do we do that? It's something we need to learn. Hallelujah. Amen. So I'm going to read two scripture, two passages of the Bible that will set us on course this morning, from which I believe the Lord will be telling us a few things. Uh, Proverbs 22, verse 29. Proverbs 22, verse 29 is the first scripture. I'm going to read, and hopefully, you may be able to pick a few examples of men who did it successfully. And that is what God is calling us to. Then you'll begin to understand the things that the Lord has been teaching us. In Proverbs 22, verse uh, 29, it says, Do you see a man who excels in his work? Other translations, diligent in what he does. It will stand before kings. It will not stand before unknown men or obscure men. Hallelujah. Do you see a man diligent in his work or in what he does? It will stand before kings, before those who matter. I'm not just ordinary people. Hallelujah. Amen. That is a key scripture I want you to note. So there's a way our light can still shine in the workplace. There's a way we can radiate the light of God in the workplace as witnesses for God. As witnesses for Christ. If we understand what this scripture is saying. And there are examples in the scripture and even in contemporary times about this. Number two scripture I'm going to read. Turn with me to Philippians. The book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. Chapter two. In Philippians chapter two. 
the scripture has got this to tell us. From I'll read from verse uh, 14. Do all things without complaining and disputing or other transitions without murmuring and grumbling. That you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice at the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Can you see that? That a believer can shine in the workplace, it can shine anywhere, regardless of how the atmosphere is, regardless of the people surrounding him or her, if we can take care of certain things. You understand what we're talking about here now? So it is doable. And God wants us to do it and do it again and again in a way that cannot be hindered. Not by anyone. Let's then look at quick steps this morning. Even if we don't have time to expand on them as we would like to, maybe another time we may pick them. So in in being effective witnesses for Christ in the workplace, the first step is not actually verbal communication of the gospel to people. So the first thing is attitude. Number one, attitude. Attitude in the workplace, attitude to the work. If you take up a job, you must have a right kind of attitude for the job. There's no one with a wrong attitude for a job that can even please himself, not to even talk about pleasing God. Attitude. All of us must must watch our attitude. Our attitude, God has been talking about this and it seems not true about it here. Our attitude in the workplace, what kind of attitude do you have? A positive or a negative attitude? If your attitude is negative, your testimony will ultimately be negative. It doesn't matter what the job is. As long as you have applied, you have taken the job, then have the right kind of attitude, a disposition of your spirit. That's what we are talking about here, towards the job. It has to be positive. It has to be a good attitude. Hallelujah. And we know what positive attitudes are. Philippians that we have just read was telling us that, look, do everything without grumbling or complaining. Simply meaning, have a right kind of attitude. Don't go 
into a world that you are grumpy and grumpy and grumpy about and mourning. If you find yourself in that situation, it means perhaps that's not the job for you. Leave it and find something else. But if your attitude is like that to every job, then you have a problem. You, you, you get the point I'm making this morning? Attitude. That's what that place is addressing, isn't it? Is that not true? That's the first thing we need to take care of. I can, I can show two, so many scriptures about it. Do you remember Nehemiah? We can't go into it. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 1, the only time the king saw him not being happy was the day he had the news, and the king could recognize that something is wrong. But what if he had always been a grumpy person? Would they have noticed that something changed that day? No. It was always, it means that he was always doing his job with cheerfulness. Hallelujah. So when something changed, the king could notice it. So why is your countenance down? Then he said, look, my king, why my countenance not be down? This is the issue. And then he began to talk about his God. He began to talk about, and the king could identify with what he was saying. That attitude he has always had fetched in favor. Hallelujah. Favor follows right attitude. Amen. And that gave him the platform to tell the king about his God. Can you see that? Attitude. What about Mr. Joseph? You remember Mr. Joseph? When he was sold into slavery in Egypt, that should be chapter 39, starting from verse 1. In the house of Potiphar, they noticed that the God was with him. How did they notice it? They must have seen it. It's not because they saw an angel of God come into his room one night. No. Something around him tells them that. And that comes with attitude. To the extent that the, the, the Potiphar could actually and trust him with everything that he had, not bothering to even check because he, he went in with the right kind of attitude. You get this point we are making this morning or this afternoon? Attitude. That's the first thing here. He went to the prison the prison man had no option but to show him favor because the same attitude followed him into the prison. He was in prison. He could have been there moaning and grumpy and not even know what is going on with people around him. But you can see a man with a positive attitude. He was even looking out for others in the prison that they could commit people to him. Attitude. Brothers and sisters, this is something God is calling us to. We need to check it constantly. Am I, am I approaching this with the right attitude? Because it's not just God observing it, men are watching it as well. I'm not saying we have to please everyone, no. But let your attitude be positive, genuinely positive from within. 
May the Lord give us understanding of this in Jesus' name. Because in so doing, we are already bearing witness secretly without saying a word to anyone. The second point quickly we want to make this morning. That is necessary in being effective witnesses in the workplace. And many of these points I'm raising may apply in other settings as well. The next thing is spirit of excellence. The spirit of excellence. Turn with me now to Daniel. Daniel was another man with a positive attitude. All true. All true. Daniel and his three Hebrew brothers. But let's go to Daniel chapter 6. The book of Daniel chapter 6. In Daniel chapter 6, let's hear what happened there. It's a little piece, but an interesting story. In Daniel chapter 6, the scripture says this. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over this three governors of whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give account to them so that the king will suffer no loss. So which means these people have won the heart of the king in one way or the other, isn't it? You think people with a negative attitude will have won that? No. Now, let's, let's go on. Then this Daniel distinguished himself still, even among the best of the best. There was something that still was still outstanding about him. Distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to set him over the old realm. Of course, that brought him into trouble, but God delivered him. Spirit of excellence. What does that mean? It is not necessarily, to, to tell you the truth, it's not necessarily being the most brilliant among the people. No, that's not what spirit of excellence is actually primarily about. The spirit of excellence is actually about the determination to give everything you do your best shot. Hallelujah. That's the spirit of excellence. It's not first of all about, you know, your IQ being, being better than all the others. No. It's about the state of your heart. The determination to give whatever you do your very best. The best of me I will give to this. Don't hold him back. I will give it the best shot. That is what God wants to see first in the heart of a man. Grace will enhance whatever you do thereafter, but do we have a heart set to say, I will give this be my best shot. I will do my best. I've not just taken this so that I can just have something to, you know, to say, okay, okay, you know, just passing the time. No, I will give this my best. If we have that kind of disposition of heart towards whatever we do, that is what is called the spirit of excellence. 
And when the grace of God comes upon that, it enhances it even many times more. I would give it my best shot. Daniel had that kind of a heart. It's not going to be wishy-washy. I'm going to give it my best. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Young people, as you go into the job market, have the right kind of attitude. It doesn't matter what that job is. It doesn't matter how little you are paid. As long as you have applied for it, give it your best. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Look at what the scripture command, commanded here. In chapter 9, I, I know I'm, I've spoken on some other parts of it before, but let's just look at this. Uh, did I say chapter 9? Okay, that's true, but I'm not in Ecclesiastes yet. Yeah, Ecclesiastes chapter 9. Look at what it is. It says this. Uh, verse okay, should I take verse uh, okay, verse 10 I think it's verse 10, let me go to verse 10 whatever your hand finds to do do it with your mind or some translations say with all your mind for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Whatever your hands find to do. It didn't say if you are the chief executive. It didn't say if you get the role of a manager. It didn't say if you get whatever it is. Whatever is whatever. And that is the spirit of excellence. I will give it my best. Amen. Amen. May the Lord give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. That's what the spirit of excellence is about. Give it your best chance. Amen. Amen. So that's the next thing God wants us to, to watch in whatever we do. Then comes the next point I want to make this morning. And that is a sense of duty and responsibility. A sense of duty and responsibility. You say, how is this different from... They are all very related, but I just want to tell you something about that. A sense of duty is actually... It's a moral, it's a kind of moral commitment, which will stem from if you have the spirit of excellence to give something your best, you know, there's a moral sense of commitment. This is it's a duty I have to do. It's my duty. Are you following me? So it's a moral commitment to whatever you are doing. No man may be saying it, no human being may notice it but you are morally committed to it. 
I'm, let me give you an example. I'm contracted for so, so, so number of hours. I'm going to do just, I'm going to do that. If I can't exceed it, I'm going to do it. That's what I've been asked to do. I'm not going to cut corners. It's a moral thing. And Christians should be the ones to, to lead in that, isn't it? We should be the ones to lead in it. And responsibility is about an awareness of your obligation. What, am I, what are the things I, I am to do with this? Know what your obligations are. Again, with the spirit of excellence, you give it your best shot. Hallelujah. Some people don't even know what their obligations are to their employers. And managers to the people they have employed. They don't know. Are these not Christian qualities and attributes? When we take care of this, you will see, you know, look at the, the criteria the king Darius was even asking for here. A people to whom he can commit things so that the king will not suffer loss. Those are people who, are, who have a sense of duty, a sense of responsibility, isn't it? To account for things they're doing. I say, well, don't bother to say I'm, I'm cheating the government here. No one will say I'm cheating you know, are, are you getting what I'm trying to say? These are my responsibilities and I'm doing as much as possible to meet it. I know in many places of work, they give you much more than. But the first thing is, do I know what I'm to do? Can I give it my best shot? Where that is not possible, then you can then think about, okay, maybe this is beyond me now. And then think of moving on. Are you getting the point I'm making? But these are things that win us testimony and and in a way sends messages across that you don't even know. Am I what number am I now? Should I go? To, is that number four now? My number four now will be. Because of time, I'll go to number four. Number four is relationship with people. Relationship with people. This is number four. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, that's number four. Relationship with people. Number one is attitude. Number two is spirit of excellence. Number three is a sense of duty and responsibility. Number four is relationship with people. Many of us, we are careless in our relationship with people. Relationship with people. Let's be a people of relationship. It was what made Joseph to excel. Even in the prison, relationship. Relationship. It was simply relationship. Brothers and sisters, relationship. Maybe before I leave the sense of responsibility and duty, Joseph was also an example. When the woman who who was in the house, wanted to do something, play funny games with him. 
He said, no, that's not part of my responsibility. I have everything to look after, but not you. You are to be looked after by another person. You get the point I'm making? You are not part of my duty. Woman, if you are feeling lonely, there's somebody to complain to, not to me. But let's go to relationship. Relationship in the prison. It was relationship. He saw the people. He saw how they were looking. He must have been relating with them for them to be able to open up to him. He had a relationship with them. Brothers and sisters, a people we don't have a good relationship with, even when they have something troubling them, they will not tell you. Are you getting me? People need to build confidence in people before they can confide in them. Relationship with people. Some of us, we are too saucy in the place of work. Relationship. Relationship with others. Build relationship. I'm not saying go into a kind of relationship that you cannot account for. But I'm talking about decent relationship with people. Even simply greet people, good morning, how are you? Good morning. How's your work going? Those things, they matter. People may think, oh, you may think people are not listening, they are too busy. No, they take notice of it. But because they are not used to it, it may look odd initially. But then you then begin to be recognized for your politeness, for your concern for others, for your genuine interest in others. And people will confide in you. I'm telling you this from experience. When they have something to talk about, they will come to you. They will talk to you. It may be about their family. It may be about, they will talk to you because they can trust you. That's relationship. May the Lord help us to understand this in Jesus' name. Build relationship. Establish relationship. Connect with people. They may not look like you. They may not sound like you. But you know the agape love we talk about. It wasn't for fun. It is a love that can accommodate people. Sometimes you may even receive a rebuff initially. But just calm down. People know there are reasons why people behave the way they behave at first to people. Because they've been let down several times. I hope you know. But when they begin to see someone who is genuine, who can be trusted, who they can rely on, they will open up to that person. Human beings are like that. They are looking for someone to confide in. But everyone will, first of all, be in their shell. I'm going to stop here. I've not exhausted it. It's very likely that this will continue. Very, very likely. But let's just stop here because I don't want to exceed, take us beyond time. But just ponder over this. But maybe before we go, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, I guess. Colossians chapter 3. These are things we need to work on carefully in our own lives. 
You know, I've not talked about words yet, but you're already speaking volumes. You're already a fragrance. Something is already emanating from your life. People are already smelling something. And when they begin to tell you what they are smelling from your life, you'll be surprised. He said, we can perceive it. We can perceive it. Something in us, something in us tells us that you must be that. You must be this, you must be that. You're already a witness without knowing. And God is already appreciating how you are smelling around in that place. <laughs> Hallelujah. How your aroma is already inviting quietly without having said anything yet. Colossians chapter 3, even as we stop now. In Colossians chapter 3, it says, verse 22, bond servants or servants or workers generally, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Just like Philippians was trying to say, that doesn't mean compromise your faith. No. It's only talking about within your scope of responsibility. Not with eye service as men pleasers. That's what you must never do. Never go into your place of work trying to please people because men, people can never be pleased. But say, I will give my best. Are you getting me? And work within that. I'm not here to please anyone, but I'm here to do the best that I can possibly give him. So he says, and whatever you do, do it heartily. Can you see attitude? Heartily. Heartily. That's attitude, isn't it? Heartily. Cheerfully. And it's about whatever. As to the Lord and not to man. As to the Lord and not to man. knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus. Can you see where that old attitude and all I was talking about comes from? If you know that what you are doing in your place of work is a service to Christ, then you will take it differently. You will see it as if, if it is in church. Yeah! you will see that even when we serve in the public places, when we serve in our different workplaces, we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ, who alone is the rewarder that can reward you. Sometimes what you do for your place of work, no human being can pay you for it. But God will never allow you to lose your reward. Bow down your head as we pray together this morning. Why not just talk to God? Pray for the right kind of attitude. I want to be a light. I want to be a salt. I want to be a fragrance. I want to be an aroma of Christ. Those are, those are languages the Bible uses to describe witnesses. Lord, give me the right kind of attitude in my place of work. And if you are not even working, wherever you are, just ask and say, God, right attitude at all times. 
pray that each of us will be possessed with spirit of excellence to give anything we do our best. Even the students amongst us, give your education the best you can give it. Give it your best shot. Don't just say, I'll go to school, whatever grade they give me. That's useless. Give it your best. It doesn't matter what course it is. Give it your best. As witnesses in the colleges and universities, spirit of excellence, Daniel had it, and God blessed it. God now poured grace upon a correct kind of attitude. Give favor to the man with the right kind of attitude. Pray that each of us will have a good sense of duty and responsibility. Whatever we do, secretly or open, and pray that the Lord will help us in our relationship with others. In Jesus' name. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, walk in our heart. Transform us that we may be effective witnesses everywhere, Amen. including our workplaces. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.